You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, March 17th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. State fishery managers conducted their third aerial survey on Wednesday in anticipation of the Sitka Sound Sacro herring fishery. Spotters flew from St. Lazaria Island to Crestoff Sound, but observed no herring or spawn from the air. Numerous predators were observed, including humpback whales in the shallower waters near Cruzoff, from Inner Point to Hayward Strait, and south of the Siganaka Islands, and large numbers of sea lions off the rock piles from Inner Point to Kaminoi Point. It's the third time this week that the Alaska Department of Fish and Game has noted that it's unusual to observe larger concentrations of herring predators in shallower waters this time of year. But according to Wednesday's release, their locations have remained mostly unchanged since Sunday. ADF&G will conduct its next aerial survey this morning. Juneau resumed discussion of landslide and avalanche hazard zones this week with the introduction of a new draft ordinance. The proposed land use code considers the adoption of new hazard maps and possible limits on development in hazard zones. In a planning commission work session on Tuesday, the city's director of community development, Jill McLean, laid out the main conflict surrounding the maps. It's the balance over property rights and life. (laughs) And uh, you and the assembly have uh, the responsibility of trying to find that balance. New hazard maps from 2021 place half of the buildings downtown in moderate to severe hazard zones. Those maps were commissioned to replace the city's outdated maps from the 1970s. Now the city assembly must decide how to regulate the new zones. The draft ordinance at this stage only considers the severe hazard zones. The new draft ordinance differs from the existing code in a few key ways. Notably, it suggests that property owners provide a written notice of hazard zones for potential buyers and renters. Some, including Planning Commissioner David Epstein, were vocal supporters of the new addition. I think we have a duty to inform, and that's how I interpreted this. We have an obligation to let people know, hey, this property's in a severe landslide or avalanche area, period. But even if the disclosure requirement sticks, McLean said the city has no plan to make it enforceable. The other major difference is the distinction between avalanche and landslide zones. While the city's older maps combine the two, the new maps and the draft ordinance consider them separately. That sparked debate about whether to regulate severe landslides and severe avalanche zones in a similar way. Much of that discussion focused on expanding properties to fit more people. Avalanche events are generally more predictable, where landslides can happen sporadically and have a wide variety of causes. McLean said that makes them harder to regulate. It's probably one of the most difficult, I think, ordinances uh, in the land use code to work on, just given sort of the infrequency or frequency, however you choose to look at it, of these types of events. In many ways, the scope of the new maps is limited. They outline the zones where landslides are possible, even likely, but they cannot give an idea of the timing or magnitude of events. Because of that uncertainty, the deputy chair, Alicia hughes Scandis said the city should hesitate to further limit property rights. We don't totally understand risk yet. And so the idea that we could then make policy decisions that will impact homeowners now and in the future um, feels perhaps uh, presumptive without the rest of that information. The city has no plans to expand research on avalanches and landslides locally. The debate over the new ordinance will continue in the next committee meeting next month before it is presented for public comment later this spring. 
Southeast Alaska lawmakers are joining tribal and municipal governments calling on the federal government to stop, at least temporarily, British Columbia's mining activities in transboundary watersheds. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. Southeast Alaska's major river systems, the Taku, Unic, and Stikin, originate in British Columbia. Those transboundary watersheds are peppered with mineral claims and shuttered former mining operations. How the mines are regulated and cleaned up has long been a point of concern and tension across the international border. Recent studies have shown wide-ranging impacts from mines hundreds of miles downstream. At a press conference March 8th, Ketchikan Independent Representative Dan Ortez explained one mine cleanup in particular has been in question since he was a freshman legislator, the Tulsaqua Chief Mine on the Taku. They said they're going to get right on it, and that was over eight years ago. After meeting with two British Columbia government officials, Alaska legislators announced they were calling on the U.S. to intervene. Their letter, addressed to U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and signed by several Southeast Alaska lawmakers, calls for an immediate and temporary pause on mine permitting and exploration in B.C. until there's a binding international agreement in place. Ortez said he and fellow lawmakers stand with the regional tribal government, the Central Council of Tlinka and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska, environmental group Salmon Beyond Borders, and dozens of municipal and tribal governments throughout the region calling for greater protections for transboundary watersheds. It's really simple. We've heard loud and clear from constituents that Alaskans need enforceable protections. Over 100 Alaskan tribes, municipalities, commercial and sports fishing businesses and organizations, and thousands of Alaskans have written letters and passed resolutions asking for the Boundary Waters Treaty to be invoked. We want to join with these thousands of voices in calling for that action. The called-for action would come through the 1909 Boundary Waters Treaty between the U.S. and Canada. If the federal government heeds the call, it could refer the issue to the International Joint Commission, the governing body for that treaty. The IJC could then bring together Southeast tribes, First Nations, provincial, state, and federal governments to work on the shared watershed issues. It's time that we actually see some progress being made in terms of putting forward some real protections out there so that our way of life can continue to exist long into the future for our children, for our grandchildren. There's already a memorandum of understanding between the state of Alaska and the provincial government of British Columbia to work together to monitor and protect transboundary watersheds, but it's proved unhelpful in including downstream communities and tribes in the mine permitting process. Brianna Walker is with Salmon Beyond Borders. What's needed in addition to that MOU state to province process is a parallel federal to federal process that ensures tribes and First Nations are at the table and in the lead, that municipalities and lawmakers downstream have a say, and that everyone is coming together and that there is some accountability in place. Alaska's legislature doesn't have legal authority to permit or decline mining actions, but Juno Democrat Representative Sarah Hannon says that's why she signed on to the letter calling for federal cooperation with tribal governments and Canada's government. All we can do is lift up and affirm that we support that effort, that the indigenous people of this place have a legal right and standing to be heard and consulted in the process. We as legislators can 
jump up and down, but we don't have standing to make those decisions. Plus, Hannan added, there needs to be better communication with Alaskans. While she's been told state officials with the Department of Environmental Conservation are meeting regularly with BC officials. They've not invited our tribes to the table. They've not included us in the dialogues. They've not shared the minutes of their meetings publicly. So although they contend they have very regular working group meetings making progress, that progress in this isolation from the fishermen and the communities that are the most active and concerned. The legislator's call echoes resolutions passed by Southeast communities and tribal governments in recent years. Tlinka and Haida President Chashia Ish Richard Peterson says the salmon and hooligan runs in the rivers are vital. Our shared transboundary rivers have nourished our Indigenous peoples here since time immemorial, and it is our responsibility to ensure these rivers can provide for generations to come. Peterson said when he's gone to meet with consulates or Canadian government representatives, it's been frustrating because Canadian officials aren't obligated to act on Central Council's requests since part of the tribe is based in the States. Central Council, Clinkett and Haida is divided by this border. We have Clinkett's in the interior, in Yukon, we have Clinkett, Taku River Clinkett. We have Haida and Haida Gwaii in BC. We are a nation divided by somebody else's lines. And we should have a voice. We should be the ones being consulted and considered when we talk about the impacts of mines. Peterson and other Central Council members also met with BC ministry officials and says during that meeting, Tlinka and Haida committed to quarterly meetings with the province. He says he also challenged the ministers to utilize years' worth of water quality data collected by samplers for the tribe, along with their own monitoring projects. We, we do a very thorough and, and good job. So that data exists. We don't need anybody else to, to be doing it separately. We're already doing it. So it's there. He says the Southeast way of life and healthy communities are dependent on fisheries, both from a traditional cultural and social standpoint to an economic standpoint. This should be simple. Whatever political leanings, whether you're pro-industry or against industry, you should want clean water. You should want systems that support healthy habitat, healthy and strong returns of salmon that will rear and spawn for generations to come. That's the bottom line. Asked for comment, BC Ministry spokesperson Peter Lonergan wrote in a statement that the province is, quote, committed to working collaboratively with both state and federal U.S. agencies to manage water quality in shared waterways, and added that meetings with the Central Council, Alaska legislators, and others were fruitful, and they will, quote, continue this important collaborative work. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. Taking a look at the community calendar. The public is invited to participate in a community read of Dear Fahrenheit 451, Love and Heartbreak in the Stacks, a librarian's love letters and breakup notes to the books in her life. Copies are available for checkout at Sitka Public Library until April 1st. After reading, bookish love letters and breakup notes can be sent through the survey available on the community calendar posting link. The event is part of the library's 100th anniversary celebration. For more information, email margo.oconnell at cityofsitka.org or call 747-4020. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.